Welcome to the Nova Church Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to get into God's Word with us today. To find out more, you can head to novachurch.com. You ready for the Word tonight? Yeah! I love the Word of God. Hey, uh, this whole series um, has come out of this space that we've all been uh, walking through as a church. If you didn't know tonight, you've you've wandered into a, a four-week-old church as of tonight. And uh, and we've been on this journey. People kind of go like, like, what is wrong with you starting a church? I mean, like, like seriously, you have to have some screws loose to want to start a church, right? I mean, is it, aren't churches kind of on the decline? Aren't churches kind of shrinking? Isn't God like that thing we believed 2,000 years ago, but not anymore? But we just felt three years ago, Hannah and I, that God laid on our heart that He wanted to do something new in the the city of Adelaide, that God wasn't something that was restricted to some book 2,000 years ago, but God was someone who was alive and real today and could make a difference in our everyday lives. And Hannah and I went on this season, this journey of having to make a decision to dare to do something that we haven't done before to dare to do something that we had no experience in, had kind of no frame of reference for. If you didn't know, there's not a manual on how to start a church. Like it's kind of like, you just start one and pray that something works, that people rock up. I mean, I'm just so grateful that there's anyone in this room tonight. So praise God for that. But, but God called us to do something that we hadn't done before. He called us to step into a place that we hadn't stepped into before. But I don't believe that this is kind of something restricted to, to someone with the name pastor in front of their name. I believe that God is calling all of us to dare greatly. That God is calling each and every one of us to live lives of great courage. Lives that don't just live ordinary, don't just live average, but live beyond what we've known and seen before. Lives that dare greatly. Everyone say dare greatly. I read a quote uh, a couple of months ago that really rattled me by this guy called Theodore Roosevelt. Give me a wave if you heard of Theodore Roosevelt. This guy, they called him Teddy. Uh, pretty cool name. Apparently he was a good hugger. No, I don't, I don't know. If you had a name Teddy, I would anticipate that you would. Anyway, uh, but, but he was a president uh, of the United States and he, he wrote this quote really about what it takes to live a life of great courage. And, and as soon as I read it, It's like it unlocked my eyes to begin to see all of these passages throughout the Scripture where God was calling His people to have great courage, to dare greatly, and to go after something that they'd never seen before. So I'm going to read this quote to you, and then we're going to uh, get into the Word tonight. This is from Theodore Roosevelt. This is what he said. It says this, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, listen to this, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. (laughs) So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Theodore is telling us, he's like, if I'm going to choose to live a life, 
I don't want to live a mediocre life that doesn't know pain or pleasure, that doesn't know victory or defeat. I'm going to choose one of them because I'm going to live a life that dares greatly. I don't believe that God's called us to live mediocre lives. I don't believe that God's called us to live lives within our comfort zone. I believe He has called us to live lives that dare greatly. Like if we're going to fail, we might as well fail going after something big, right? Come on. I don't want to live a life of mediocrity. I don't want to live a life that's average. I want to live a life that dares greatly. There's a a guy in the Scripture that I want to focus on tonight Uh, for the first week of our series, as I set up this thought of what it means to live with courage, what it means to dare greatly. And it's a guy in the scripture called Peter. Peter was the loud disciple. Peter was the disciple who could never shut his mouth. Is anyone in this room, you can never shut your mouth. Like you are just like an engine that cannot stop running, right? There's like four of you. What, the rest of you just you know, some people, you can't, you, can't crow, you can't crowbar their mouth open. It's like you've got to get, you know. But, but Peter was a loud mouth kind of guy. Maybe that's why I relate to him a little bit. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 23 says this. It tells us a story, perhaps one of the most famous stories in Scripture, a story that we were actually singing about tonight, of Peter stepping out of the boat and walking on water for the first time. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. says this, immediately, this is Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, this is Jesus, walking on the sea. Love how casually the Bible writes that, you know, because that's normal. Uh, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Verse 28 says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to, come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus, we thank you tonight for your word. And Father, I'm so aware tonight that my words really hold no weight, no power. Lord, it's when your anointing comes upon my words that it changes lives. And so Jesus, we ask tonight that you would set this word on fire, that you would speak to us by the power of your spirit, and that you would transform us from the inside out. Pray with me now, Lord, we want to leave different to how we came because we encountered you in your word tonight. Jesus, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Is anyone else here uh, in the room tonight prone to losing things? Just give me a wave. Like you are prone to losing things. Like you lose your phone, you lose your keys, you lose your wallet. Like anything that is not physically attached to your body, you are likely to lose. Come on, where's all my losers at? (laughs) 
<laughs> That's me, right? Like some of you are like, I lose my phone like, you know, every few months and it's really difficult. You know, for me, I'm like, I lose my phone, my wallet and my keys every day. <laughs> and, and you would think that it's like bad for me. I'll tell you the one it's bad for. It's not bad for me. It's bad for my poor twin-filled pregnant wife <laughs> who is constantly being harassed by me trying to figure out where I put my wallet, my phone, and my keys. Come on, who else is losing stuff on the daily? That's me, right? I, I had an experience like this this week. Um, for those of you who don't know, Hannah and I run a, a leadership academy uh, for you for live every week. And one of the things that we do there uh, is we teach people how to be responsible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on this day, right, <laughs> I had a meeting at 12 o'clock and surprise, surprise, I lost my keys, you know. So I'm like, Hannah, have you seen my keys? She's like, no. I'm like, like Rosalind, have you seen my keys? Like Rosalind often takes my keys and hides them in safe places. Um, so, so I was like, I was sussing, I was barking up that tree to make sure she hadn't, you know, done them. And so, so I'm, I'm looking for these keys kind of everywhere and it gets to like 10 minutes before my meeting and I'm like, man, I can't find these keys. Rosalind, can I borrow your car? She's like, sure, you know. So I take her car, go to the meeting and the meeting was only meant to take an hour, but who knows, whenever something's meant to take an hour, it takes three. <laughs> so, so I go to this meeting and there's this guy pouring his heart out to me and you know, hour one ticks by and hour two ticks by and then I wasn't checking my phone but when I got back in the car I got a message from Rosalind like an hour ago that said, hey, I got a meeting, when are you going to be back? <laughs> and so I roll back in. <laughs> I roll back in and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. And Rosalind looks at me and she's like, give me your backpack, Pastor Sam. I'm like, I'm not giving you my backpack. She's like, the keys are in your backpack. And I'm like, they're not. I checked before I left. I, I swear to you, these keys are not in my backpack. She's like, so help me, Pastor Sam. If these keys are in your backpack, I am going to stab you with the big one. You know? And so, so I'm like, it's fine. They're not in the backpack. So go ahead, girl. You know? so, so I give her the backpack and she does this thing. Who knows that girls have hands that are just different to boys? Like there's like some kind of supernatural sensor on the ends of their fingers that are not in the mud. I can't prove it biologically, but I'm telling, I'm just looking at my brother because he's a doctor. I can't prove it biologically, but I have experienced it every day of my life. She gets her little Filipino hand and she sticks it into that backpack and whoo, out come the keys. And, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, I'm laughing. She was not. And so now the race is on to tell Hannah, right, that we found the keys. But I want to tell my story before she tells her. So I get on the phone while Rosalind's running up the stairs. I'm like, baby, guess what? We found the keys. <laughs> so where were they? I'm like, Tom had them under his desk. You know. <laughs> and, and Rosalind runs up and she's like, no, he didn't. You know, and here's the keys. And, and I don't know, like, once you've been in a relationship for a while, you're able to, like, read, you know, like the spouse, <laughs> the mood, you know. And so we got to the end of the day, like, Academy was over, we're sitting in the car, and, like, I'm driving, and Hannah's in the passenger seat, and it's, like, quiet. I'm like, so, how was your day? She just said, like, one word. And, like, when you, when you say that word, you know you are stuffed, man. It's, like, one word is the F word, but not the F word you're thinking of. It's, it's fine. She goes, yeah, it was fine. Lost some keys though, didn't we? Took a few hours to find them, didn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh. 
<laughs> yes, baby. She's like, and, and then and then she she gives me this little nugget of wisdom. She said, <laughs> she's like, Sam, when you put your hand into the backpack, j- just because you don't feel like it's there, it doesn't mean that it's not there. Just because you thought you've had a little look around, maybe you should have a think, honey, <laughs> about looking deeper. Mmm. <laughs> that was very Christian. Do you know, you know how much Christians, mmm, it's the weirdest thing ever. Like, oh my, mmm. It's like, you know you run into a Christian, you're of a service station, you're like, mmm. So who does that? Nobody. Anyway. Tom does. I love you. We, are, we did grow up in church. We are very special, broken people. So, uh, but, but here's the thing. I, I, I think all of us, right, have courage on the inside of us that we don't know is there. In fact, in fact, I've titled my message tonight, There's Courage in Your Backpack. <laughs> if you're taking notes tonight, you can write this down. There is courage in your backpack. See, Peter found something out that day on the water that he didn't know about himself. He realised that he had courage that he didn't know he had. And all of us in this room tonight attempted to feel like, man, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just doing my job. I'm just studying my degree. I'm just working at Macca's. I'm just doing the servo. I'm just doing whatever it is that you do every day with your life. I'm an ordinary person. But can I tell you today, you have more courage than you think you have. There is courage in your backpack that you don't know about. And just because you don't feel like it's there, it doesn't mean that it isn't there. It takes moments in life to realise that God has put something on the inside of you that you didn't know were there. I didn't know I could start a church until I started a church. Peter didn't know he could walk on water until what? He walked on water. There are some things you don't know you can do until you do them. And I want to tell you today that even though you are an ordinary person like me, there is courage in your backpack that you don't know is there. You might say, well, I don't feel like it's there. I'm going to tell you tonight, give me your backpack. I'm going to get Rosalind's fingers into your backpack tonight. And I'm going to show you <laughs> that there is courage in your backpack that you didn't know was there. Tonight, we're going to learn how to dare greatly. Everyone say, dare greatly. Dare greatly. I think it's interesting. Like, there's a couple of things I kind of think about when I read a story. As I try and take myself into the story and start looking around there and noticing some things. And as I was studying this scripture, I noticed something really interesting. Let's pull up Matthew chapter 14, verses 29 and 32 for a minute. We look at this scripture and we see a few voices kind of taking place here. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water to Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. That's one voice. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That was another voice. And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. So there's the voice of Peter in the story. There's the voice of Jesus in the story. But my question is, where's the voice of the disciples? Like, think about this for a minute. If we were in the boat, all of us, we just got in a fishing boat. 
We go down to Henley Beach right after this and we jump in a boat. <laughs> Let's go, right? And Borum starts walking on water. And we are all in the boat watching him walk on water. And then he sings, he goes, Jesus, save me. And Jesus is there too. And he saves Borum and puts him back in the boat. Can you imagine that we would all just sit there in silence? <laughs> he would be like, bro, you just walked on water. <laughs> what the heck? You know, like, like we would all be commenting on what just happened, right? It's kind of fair enough. But, but I think it's interesting that the disciples didn't comment. Because who knows that even though you can comment, it doesn't always mean you should comment. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Just because you can comment on that Facebook post doesn't mean you should. Just because you can comment on what she is wearing doesn't mean you should. Just because you can comment about that other church doesn't mean you should. Just because you can comment about your coworker doesn't mean you should, right? We live in a culture right now that has given ourselves too much right to comment. <laughs> because we suffer with something that I want to call tonight TripAdvisor Syndrome. Like if this was 2019 and Peter walked out on the waves, like we would be rating and reviewing his trip. We'd be like, wow, like great location, you know, like 10, five stars on location, one star on faith, Peter. <laughs> We'd be like, the, the host, Jesus, was great, but the facility, the boat was really poor. Like, Peter, we loved your energy, but we didn't love your follow-through, right? Because in 2019, everybody thinks they have a right to rate and review everything. <laughs> but it ain't so. In fact, this, this thing happened in England recently. I had to share this with you just because it was so funny. This, this guy invented a fake restaurant on TripAdvisor and it got to the number one most rated and reviewed restaurant in London, even though it didn't exist. <laughs> Go look it up. People rated and reviewed something they hadn't even experienced. What if the disciples didn't comment because they were reviewing something they hadn't experienced? What if they didn't comment because they knew they had no right to? This is what I find is so interesting. If you're going to dare greatly, this is what you've got to know tonight. You can't get advice on water walking from people whose bums are still in the boat. See, you've got to understand tonight that you can't accept comments and reviews from everyone in your life. If you're going to dare greatly, you need to surround yourself with water walkers, not with boat sitters. See, see, here's the thing. This, this is my rule in life. I don't take advice from people whose lives I don't want. Like, thank you so much for your parenting advice, but your child is a demon. I'll leave it. Thank you so much for your marriage advice, but your marriage is about as exciting as watching paint dry. I'll leave it. Thank you so much for your advice on friendship, but I've noticed you burn all of your friendships, so I'm going to leave it. 
See, if you're going to dare greatly, you're going to have to say to some voices in your life, I'm going on a trip tonight, but I don't need your advice because I'm not taking advice from boat sitters. I'm taking advice from water walkers. Here's the interesting thing about this scripture tonight. Hear me. The only one who commented on Peter's water walking was the one who had a right to comment on Peter's water walking. Why? Because he was already walking on the water. If you want to know how to dare greatly, you've got to listen to the voices who are already stepping where you want to step. If you want to know how to have courage, come on, you've got to listen to the voices that have already had the courage to walk where you're walking. See, see, Hannah and I, we had all kinds of weird advice, I'm telling you. Like, it's like when you're a pastor, you are a magnet for weird advice. Like a lady came up to me once and said, you're moving to Port Hedland. And I'm like, I'm not moving to Port Hedland. That's not happening. You know, like... But what what we've had to learn to do is we've had to learn to choose what voices we're listening to when it comes to getting the courage we need to do what God's calling us to do. We had voices say to us when we got married, oh man, like, you know, you just got married. You better stop being youth pastors now because you're married. You, you, You can't do that. And we're like, bye. And then we had kids like, oh man, like, you know, whew. You can't start a church and have kids. Like, I mean, that's crazy. Like, you can't do that. And we're like, <laughs> and then we had people say, you, you can't run you for life in church at the same time. That's crazy. What is wrong with you? Because what we had to learn to do was to vet the voices. We had to learn how to listen to the voice of the water walker, not the voice of the boat sitter. See, when you step out to do something great, there will always be people commenting, but you've got to choose which comments you're going to let into your life. See, see, here's the thing tonight. You've got to learn how to vet the voices. If you're taking notes tonight, write this down. You've got to vet the voices. See, vetting is often a political term or an employment term, but basically what it means is it's the process of performing a background check on someone before offering them something. And some of you right now, like, you're taking advice from everybody, and I love it, it's awesome. But there's some voices that you've got to vet from your life. You've got to do a background check on the people who are speaking into your life. What do I mean by that? you got to do a background check to see if their clothes have ever been wet from the water or whether they've only sat where you are wanting to walk. you got to do a background check. you got to vet some voices. Can I go hard tonight? You ready for this? <laughs> Quit letting people who are boat sitters give you advice on water walking. You got to make a decision in your life that I'm going to lean in. I'm going to be teachable. I'm going to grow. I'm going to get advice, but it's not going to be from the timid souls who are sitting in the boat living a life that I don't want. It's going to be from the people who are out there in the wind, who are out there in the waves. Come on, living the life that God's calling me to live. You got to vet your voices. Oh man. Matthew 14, 28 to 30. It's so interesting what Jesus says to him. He just says, you know, Peter, that's the wrong scripture there, but we're just going to roll on. Peter, he just says like, you, you have little faith, right? 
Like, why did you doubt? I think it's interesting that Jesus told him why he sank, but he did not tell him that he failed. There's a difference. Jesus said to him, hey, Peter, this is why you sank. You had little faith. But he did not say that Peter failed. And yet I think the typical understanding of this scripture, of this story, is that Peter failed. People looked at what Peter did and they go, he failed. Now, typically how you would preach this message is, this is Peter. Peter failed. Don't be like Peter. (laughs) But I don't really think that's what's going on here at all. In fact, I think for a lot of us, we have completely the wrong definition of failure, which is why we never get out of the boat. Because we think what Peter did was failing when I think that Jesus would argue that what Peter did was winning. They're two different things. See, I don't know if you guys remember, like back in the day, who remembers Blockbuster Video? Man, like you would go to that video store and it would take you like an hour just to pick a DVD. Like, I mean... You had to like set aside time before you wanted to watch a movie to watch the movie, right? You'd be going through the action and the thriller, you know, and and you'd be going through the rom-com and that's where I live. I love the rom-com, you know, but it's like you're walking through all the aisles and then you pick out the movies, you know what I'm saying? And you pick pick them out and you you read the blurb, you know, there's no trailer, no way. You don't get to preview this thing, you're just reading the blurb. And you go home and like, if you got like a seven day rental, who remembers seven day rental, right? I mean, it was your lucky day if the movie you wanted had seven day rental. It's like shivers. Have you seen how long we got this thing? You know, seven days. You get your seven day rental. You watch the movie. You were like, loved the movie. You watch it again. You're like, loved it again. So, but it's a seven-day rental. You've got to make the most of it. So you watch it a third time. Man, I, I really loved it the third time. You know, you know, um, that's how many times I want to see Aladdin, by the way. I just all about it. Anyway, um, but <laughs> who said amen? You. Awesome. <laughs> I can show you the world. Anyway, I'm so... So it's like you watch it as many times as possible, but then when you're, you're sick of watching it, you open up the main menu. Come on, who remembers the main menu? And, and you would make your way into the special features, right? And it's like when, when, when you made your way to the special features, you would like, there was like always a couple of special features. The features weren't that special. In fact, they were the same on every DVD, right? You would have deleted scenes. You would have the making of, Right, the first, the, first, the first one's always the deleted scenes you go to, right? I want to check out these deleted scenes. But then, then you go to the making of, right? I want to see some behind the scenes. This is pretty cool. But then if you were like real desperate, and I'm talking real desperate, like your life is so lame, you need help, right? You would listen to the director's commentary, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, like you would go, whoever listened to a director's commentary, three people are praying for you after. So, so, so right, I did it too. I'm with you. So, so it's like, you listen to the director's commentary. And the director's like, yeah, so you see here on shot one, we actually were considering, you know, getting Mel Gibson to jump, but we actually got him to sit down here. It's really interesting. And, and they talk like that for like two hours. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> but here's what you're doing when you're watching the commentary. 
is you're choosing to listen to someone else's voice talk about what you're seeing rather than your own. Because normally when you're watching the movie, whose commentary is running? It's your commentary. Wow, that sucked. Wow, that was really interesting. Wow, I know what's going to happen now. Oh, plot thickens. You know, like you're, you got your own commentary. But what happens when you watch the director's commentary is you're turning off your voice about what you're seeing to listen to someone else's voice about what you're seeing. And this is what I feel like we've got to learn to do as people who are following Jesus is we've got to learn to choose our commentary. Because so often our commentary on how we're living life is a commentary of failure. See, see, I've failed because I'm not married yet. I've failed because I haven't finished my degree. I've failed because I haven't got the job that I thought I was going to get by now. But here's the interesting thing. What if you haven't failed, you're just listening to the wrong commentary? What if you need to learn to listen to the director's cut on what you're seeing rather than your cut on what you're seeing? Because I think sometimes the way we view our life is very different to how the director Jesus Christ views our life. See, here's the interesting thing. Jesus never called Peter a failure. Do you know who decided that Peter was a failure in the history of the world? It was us. Because the commentary in our head says that what he did failed because it didn't end greatly. I want to propose to you tonight that I don't believe he failed and I don't believe you have either. I don't believe life is about ending greatly. I believe life is about daring greatly. What if you haven't failed? You need to choose your commentary better and get the voice of Jesus. Come on, speak it into your life. Speak it into your situation. Speak it into your world to tell you maybe you haven't failed. Just because it didn't end greatly, it doesn't mean it wasn't great. See, I believe Jesus is more concerned about us daring greatly than He is about everything we do, come on, ending greatly. See, see you got to choose your commentary. you got to choose another voice when it comes to interpreting what you're seeing. See, what if the point isn't whether what you did ended greatly, but whether what you did dared greatly? See, it's not whether that relationship you tried to mend, mended or not, it's that you tried to mend it. You dared greatly. What if it's not whether that person forgave you or not. It's that you forgave them. You dared greatly. What if it's not about the person you prayed for got healed or not? What if it's more about the fact that you stepped out and prayed, you dared greatly? What if it's not about whether what you tried worked or not? What if it's actually about the fact that you gave it a shot and dared greatly? See, we got to change our definition of what winning means. Our commentary says winning means it ends greatly. God's commentary says we win, come on, if we dare greatly. Who really lost in this story? Was it Peter who got out on the waves and sunk? Or was it those sorry bums in the boat who never got out? 
I'll tell you what my commentary says. My commentary says that Peter was the one who won for stepping out. They were the ones who lost, come on, for staying in. You got to choose your commentary. What if you thought that you've been a failure when really God's so proud of the fact that you stepped out, you tried, and you dared greatly? Failing at something does not make you a failure. It means you had a moment where you stepped out and you dared greatly. I just think we've got, to, we've got to choose our commentary. I think it's interesting that the Bible, you know, in the story here, Matthew 14, 30, it says, So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Don't, don't you love that the Bible doesn't just show the parts where the people get it right? but it also shows the parts where they got it wrong. See, I I think if this was like 2019, Peter, this is what we would have seen. We would see like Peter up on Instagram and he's got his phone out, you know, he's like, like, wow. (laughs) And he'd just become a surfing American dude. He'd be like, wow, it's so good out here today on the waves with the Lord God, you know, at Jesus, crushing it today. On the waves, you know, and there's like him and the Lord pouting together. And, and, and he'd post it and all you'd see is the photo of them standing on the waves together. If this was 2019, we would have filtered out his failure so that we would never have seen the struggle that he went through to get to the place where he was. You wouldn't have seen the picture of him sinking. You would have just seen the picture of him standing because in 2019, we like to filter out our failures. Like in 2019, you don't see the picture of a university student crying themselves to sleep at night, wondering if they're going to make it through the degree. You see the picture of their graduation while they're smiling ear to ear going, hey, just graduated. Like you don't see the picture of the mum covered in puke and poo. You just see the picture of the cute little baby swaddled up in clothes, going, nah. Why? Because, because we've learned to filter out our failures. But I think it's so interesting that Jesus didn't do that. See, this is the thing we think. We think that Jesus called Peter out onto the water. We are so wrong. Peter called himself out onto the water. Peter said, Jesus, if it's you, call me out, I'm coming. And then there's this part, and Jesus just says this one word that changes everything. He says, come. Think about this for a minute. Jesus is all-knowing. What did he know was going to happen when Peter walked out on the water? He knew he was going to fail, but he didn't filter it out. In that one word, come, we see something so powerful and so profound. 
we see Jesus giving Peter permission to fail. Jesus was like, Peter, don't come near the edge. Stay right there, buddy. Hey, I love your passion. But let's just bring it in. Let's just hammer it on, Peter. Hey, hey, why don't you just raise your hands in the boat and sing shout to the Lord instead? Peter, I, I love it. I love your heart. You know when Christians say that? I love your heart. Which basically means, I don't want you to do what you're about to do. He didn't say that. He said, come. Why? Because he wanted to give Peter permission to fail. Can I tell you something? Some of you in this room, you can't wrap your head around that. Because you have never given yourself permission to fail in your life. It's not an option for you not to get a perfect score. It's not an option for you not to have the perfect job. It's not an option for you not to have the perfect future or the perfect relationship because you've never given yourself permission to fail. You would rather fail to try than to try and fail. You would rather try and control the outcome, which is why we get weird stuff happening in church all the time. Like you come into the church for how was your week? Awesome. <laughs> how was last week? Oh, it was awesome. And, and how was the funeral? Oh, it was awesome. Hey, I, I heard that you lost your job this week. Yeah, it was awesome. Why do we talk like that? We talk like that because, because we've never had someone tell us what Jesus just told Peter, that it is okay to fail. Here is the thing. If you don't know that you have permission to fail, you will never know that you have permission to try. Why did the disciples stay in the boat? They stayed in the boat because they couldn't perceive that they had permission to come out on the waves and fail. And the reason why so many Christians live their lives in the boat is because they've never had someone look them in the eye and tell them, even if this doesn't work, you're going to be okay. Even if you don't get it perfect, I'm so glad you stepped out. We got to know today that we have permission to fail because only when you realize that it's okay to get it wrong will you have the faith you need come on to step out and maybe one day get it right Tonight, I believe, and I'm going to finish right now. So Ben, why don't you come and join me? I believe right now that there are people in this room and you have been living your life in the boat because you've never had someone hand you a permission slip. Who remembers going to school and you're like, when you went to school and you wanted to go on an excursion, what did you have to get from mum and dad or your guardian or whoever? What did you have to get? You had to get a, a what? A permission slip. Who said consent form? You just ruined my whole sermon, man. Consent form, nope. You got a permission slip. And you, 
Who remembers what the permission slips used to say? They used to be like, hey, uh, you know, your child could fall over and crack their skull. Your child could, you know, like injure themselves. Your child could lose a limb. Your child could, you know, go under any kind of form of possible illness and, and, and infliction could come upon your child. But by signing this permission slip, you say it's okay if they go and get hurt because you want them to go to somewhere special rather than sitting at mass by themselves doing sums. And what does your parent do? They get the permission slip and they sign it knowing full well that something bad could happen to you. Why? Because they are more excited about the prospect of you stepping out and going to a new place than they are about the prospect of keeping you where you are in your little boat, nice and safe. I want to tell you tonight that I have a signed permission slip from Jesus Christ for your life. I want to tell you tonight that Jesus is willing to let you step out the boat and sometimes you're going to win and sometimes you're going to fail, but that doesn't make you a winner or it doesn't make you a failure. Here's the thing. What you do outside of the boat doesn't define you. It's what Jesus did after that boat 2,000 years ago that defines you. When He was pinned up on the cross for you and me, He bore us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our failure, in the midst of our brokenness. And He said, right where you are, I love you and I chose you. Your identity is not in whether you succeed or whether you fail. Your identity is in the fact that Christ succeeded 2,000 years ago when He took your sin in your life to the cross, that you might live a life, come on, of great faith, stepping into the fullness of who God called you to be. I want to tell you tonight, you have a permission slip. It's okay to fail because if you know it's okay to fail, you might just start trying. Come on, we got to get out of our safe little boats and get out into the wind and the waves because even if we fail, this is what I can't believe they didn't step out the boat. Do you think that the one who could shut the wind and waves up wouldn't just reach out his arm and pick you up out of your failure and put you back in the boat so you can try again? Of course he will. We ought to be the most bold, the most daring the most audacious people on the planet because we know the one who's walking on the waves and he's already commented and told us to come. Thanks for joining us on the Nova Church Podcast. We hope this message impacted you in a powerful way. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe or you can head to novachurch.com for more.